All right, for the rest of us, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, and I anticipate we're going to be in Matthew 24 for two weeks, and then Matthew 25 a week. Remember, this is something we started last week with a little bit of an introduction to these two chapters. Matthew 24 and 25 are called the Olivet Discourse, and the reason it's called that is because it's where uh, Jesus was there on the Mount of Olives, according to verse 3, outside Jerusalem. This, of course, is in the Passion Week of Jesus. He's going to uh, be heading to the cross, and he's giving his disciples here uh, instructions from the Mount of Olives. And so we call it the Olivet Discourse, and we just may mention the fact last week that if you were to lay out all the commentaries on, especially Matthew 24, I would say, and the various interpretations. Uh, there are many, many different ways in which uh, people have interpreted this and what Jesus is talking about here, whether he's talking about just the time leading up to AD 70 and the destruction of Jerusalem, whether he's talking about that plus the rest of the age, or is he talking about just the future, the great tribulation in the end. And so now you'll begin to see how I have, as I mentioned last week, humbly made my conclusions about things where you'll hear me say a lot like, I think this is where we're at. And what I will do is continually, uh, though, be driving us back to the main points of the passage so that we don't lose the forest through the trees. This week, we're going to focus primarily on the first 14 verses. So I'm going to read those now. And then you'll see I'll be drawing into a few other things as well. But let's read those first 14 verses. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love, of money will grow, uh, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Let's just pause and ask God's blessing on the passage. Our Heavenly Father, we come and ask you now as we have um, come to the point in our worship where as you have ordained, your word be taught and preached. And 
I need your gifting, so I pray for that now, your help. All of us need help in understanding and coming to humble conclusions of this passage that, God, you are crystal clear on, and yet many have um, seen different things here. And so, Lord, we ask you, uh, by your Spirit, to lead us into truth, especially of the main points. Let us see Jesus as our prophet more clearly, and may we follow him more truly. We pray this in his name. Amen. You know, we live in a world where we are bombarded by all kinds of prominent people uh, who speak with authority on any given subject. Of course, we see this on television and in uh, uh, newspapers and other places of social media. People of prominence who claim to be experts or others are saying that they're experts. And that's, of course, a, a new term now we have to get used to in our culture of the experts and what the experts have to say on this, that, or the other thing. And they all want us to listen to them. They're all speaking with authority and wanting us to pay attention to what they're saying. The topics, of course, are everything from politics to COVID-19 to international affairs, immigration, the economy, social concerns, economics, sports, family life, education, various forms of religion, and even various forms of Christianity. People who are being put forward as the source of information, making predictions of things that are going to happen if we don't listen to what they have to say. It's a time in which we have to ask, who can we trust? And really, to whom are we going to give our utmost attention? Who are we going to listen to, is the idea. In the first century, people that Jesus was ministering to here in uh, first century Israel were no different. And especially when it came to religious and political matters, they had to decide who they were going to listen to. Should they listen to the rabbi in the synagogues? Should they listen to the Pharisees, or the Sadducees, or the Zealots, or the Herodians, or the priests, or the Sanhedrin? There were many different voices speaking with authority, coming out and saying that they should listen to them. Who could they trust? Of course, the Romans were no better off, especially in the, in the realm of religion. They had their mythology that they had clung to for centuries, really, philosophers who spoke to these issues. It appears many of them even became skeptical about ever finding truth or knowing who to listen to. I mean, didn't Pilate ask Jesus that famous question, what is truth? As though he knew that no one could actually come to absolute truth. Who do we listen to? And I think Matthew 24 helps them and us Understand that the answer to that question, the one to whom we listen, is very simple. It's simply this, Jesus. What we see first and foremost coming from Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is that Jesus is functioning here as the prophet sent from God. The one that the Jews were waiting for, the one that God had prophesied he would send, and what they were supposed to do is listen to him. He is the one speaking with absolute authority, and so they were to give him their attention, not just hear what he has to say, but listen to it, respond with faith 
in obedience. That's what our responsibility as Christians is, friends. I'll unfold this in a minute here. Jesus as this prophet. But ultimately, the essence of Christianity, or one of the cores of Christianity, is the fact that we have come to the teaching of Jesus, and we believe what he says, and we're trusting in him, and we're following him. That's largely what it is to be a Christian. And of course, we don't want to become red-letter Christians that just say, okay, then the only thing we need to pay attention to is the red letters in our New Testament. That is, in those translations that have red letters where just Jesus is speaking. That's not the implication because what Jesus does is hold, upholds the whole Bible. And the first thing he tells us, is says, I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. He upholds the other prophets of Moses and David and others that have written in the past. He promised to send more in the future, which ended up being the apostles and those near them, that would actually write out Scripture. So Jesus would say, listening to him, you see, is listening to all of Scripture. But the main point that we need to see in in this passage, I think, is that Jesus is the promised prophet that the Jews were waiting for, and they needed to listen to him. Now, where do I get that idea? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Actually, it'll be up on the screen. The Lord said this to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. What Matthew is showing us is that Jesus is that prophet. And we've seen so many other elements where uh, Matthew has brought out this, uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of those, right? He's the son of David, the Messiah. He's the king. He's the judge, right? We have looked at other elements of his office. We've seen he's the savior from sins. Named him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And here in these passages, we see Jesus functioning as the prophet, really the prophet that they had to listen to. Remember, Graham preached from Matthew chapter 17 just a handful of weeks ago. And there was the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Peter, James, John went up with Jesus, and Jesus they got to see a portion of what we read about in Matthew 24 and 25, the glory of the Son of Man, like he was, that glory just shone from him right in front of them on that mountain. They saw it. Remember, Peter was like, wow, this is awesome. And then uh, Moses and Elijah show up, and they're talking to Jesus, and, Moses, and Peter's like, let's make uh, three tents here, one for each of you. And as he's speaking, God interrupts him. And says, this, that is Jesus, is my son. Listen to him now. And when they came to from their fear, they noticed that Moses and Elijah were gone and Jesus was there alone. He now is the prophet to whom we give our attention. Listen to Jesus. And friends, he is one that is more than a prophet, is he not? I mean, if you look at chapter 24 and look at verse 35, one of the most shocking statements in the Bible 
that Jesus says about himself in his own words. Listen to this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, a first century Jew, when Jesus said something like this, heaven and earth will pass away, they might expect him then to say, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Like Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The only enduring word that endures forever is the word of God. But Jesus here says, my words that I'm telling you in Matthew 24 and 25 will never pass away. In other words, here we have one who is the prophet, but more than the prophet. He is God incarnate speaking 